All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting. Hello, welcome to your podcast, podcast number 50. This is Gary Schaller. And this is James Hager. Thanks for hanging with us for what will now be 50 episodes of this podcast. Can you believe it? That's crazy. Come January, it's going to be five years since we began this podcast. You know, if you think about when we when we started the show, we were told there was no chance of ever having a new Kiss album. That Kiss pretty much as an active current music producing band was done we were you know in the middle i mean live to win had just been released we were in the middle of the live to win tour and then all of a sudden there's new kiss album one world tour and now we're getting ready to have new kiss album two it's followed by another world tour it's 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 like a dream come true for and a lot ace, of people ace i mean you know like went from being sort of quasi present you know he was on the like rock honors thing right and, uh, you know, talking about being clean and sober again and, and whatnot. And then, you know, all of a sudden you have, like, new album, touring, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, great, great stuff. Like, it's been a great time to be a KISS fan. Absolutely. It's been really a blessing for KISS fans. I mean, I really feel like that the KISS army, as dedicated as a lot of us have been, I really think that we, we have deserved this, and so is the band. Uh, so, hey, James, where have you been? I have been here, there, a little bit of everywhere. Um, I, I won't get into details, but uh, haven't exactly been the best in the last little while. And I'm better now, and I've taken care of a lot of stuff, and gotten my head back on straight, got my life back together, and I'm back where I need to be. You're back on the podcast. You're finally on the right track. On on the right track. Nice. And Ken will be joining us later. I know he's very excited to be a part of, uh, you know, year five of podcast and the 50th podcast episode. But right now, what we're going to do is we're going to actually uh, look at this contest that we had. Um, you know, people were asking where you were, James, and, um, you know, I told them the truth. I told them that uh, you were having an operation and, uh, <laughs> you know, that it went smoothly and, uh, you know, that you had your Audi changed to an Innie. Yes, um... That's the other surprise. I'm no longer I'm no longer James. I'm uh, I've changed my name to Furkina. 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 I, I like want to be known as Furkina. So. Furkina. Hi, this is Gary Schaller, and this is Furkina. <laughs> All right. So I yeah I told people uh, I told people that you had the operation. Well, we told people that you know that, like you know you were busy with school and that you were working and like a lot of things were going on, and uh, but you know people really did want to know where you were, and so it occurred to me that. It was the perfect setup, you know, as a KISS podcast, right? And, like, it seems like Gene and Paul and the other members of KISS have had to answer questions like that for now almost going on 40 years, right? 40 years. Where's Ace? Where's Peter? Where's this one? Where's that one? Uh, heck, they even had to ask, like, where's Paul? Right? Exactly. Right. So, uh, or where's Gene if it's the 80s, right? As we're supposed to say, right? Where's Gene? Yeah. Everybody's went missing at some point in time. So. Right. So the contest is for listeners of the podcast to write in and kind of say, what would Gene Simmons say 
about my absence. We received a lot of great entries, but uh, one in particular was not only hilarious, but it, it took some real thought, actually. And uh, that belonged to Paul Zynos, a.k.a. Uh, PX74. And uh, I think uh, someone wants to read that for us. This is Gene Simmons from KISS. You know, the guy who sticks out his tongue and wears more makeup and higher heels than your mommy ever did. Anyway, it's a podkiss world, baby. Yeah, we just live in it. Oh yeah, did I mention I own that trademark too? The masses have spoken. We've heard and we obey. Where's Ferk? Is he no longer part of the podkiss? Blah, blah, blah. None of that matters. It's time for full disclosure, baby. James is a, still a full member of the podcast. Anyone who says otherwise is on crack or asking if you'd like fries with that. No one has the right to tell you what to do, who to go out with, when you come home, except the lady who gave birth to you. In James's case, his mother insisted he get a college education, so he's in knee-deep in the studies and his institution. Now, we all know that you have to be nuts to be in an institution, but we did the due diligence on this and decided it was okay. We wish him all the best with his pursuits. One other thing, Ferk has also been missing in action due to another reason. This is a podkistic exclusive. Before every broadcast, he'd come up to me and give me a lap dance. The last time he came up with me in his pro wrestling trunks, he has a penchant, and that's a big word like gymnasium for wrestling, and he challenged me to a duel. I said to him, Ferk... What's up? You're killing me. I don't want your schmeckle in my face. Besides, I look like a Jewish fabulous moolah in tights. He tried to body slam me and I fell right on top of him. I used my CPR that I learned when I was a lifesaver and I thankfully revived him. All he had to do was look at the weight on, on, on my harness during my solo on the last tour and he'd see there of his judgment. Now he doesn't know whether he's coming or going. But like a cockroach, baby, he'll be back. You heard it here first, podcast baby. That's what I'm talking about. Paul did a bang up job. I mean, he nailed it. Like every little, uh, you know, genism is in there. Obviously, gymnasium has to be in there. What else? Let me see. Uh, uh, wears more makeup and higher heels than your mommy ever did. It's right. Fantastic. He got baby. Lots of that, right? Oh yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, the you want fries with that? Uh, and this is a podcastic exclusive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so much, uh, so much there, and like all the stuff about crack and being like a cockroach. Uh, fantastic! Just so so nailed the gene persona in this email that um, <coughs> that we have to send the uh, the prize to Paul, and Paul is going to be receiving a signed Ace Fairly poster from 2011. So Paul, congratulations! You did a great job, and uh, you know what we'll do is later on, maybe not in this episode but we'll you know future episodes maybe we'll revisit some of the other entries that we got we have some other prizes uh you know hanging around the podcast studios so maybe we'll send those your way so anyway we're, let's let's take uh let's take the number five here because we're going on five years of podcast and this is our 50th show and let's skip around five years in five year increments throughout history right so you let's know se- 73 78 83 88 93, 98, 2003, 2008. We're going to look at those years. We're going to hear some rare stuff and talk about what KISS was doing. And we're going to start right at the beginning. And for that, we're going to take a trip down to someplace we haven't been in a long time. This is Abner's Laboratory. Oh, Abner Devereaux, sure. Well, this Abner Devereaux, where can I find him? His workshop's located underneath the Sky Tower. You mean underground? 
Yeah. Way underground. I'll just activate the elevator mechanism. You step inside. Welcome to Abner's Laboratory. We're going to take a look back at the original KISS demo, produced and engineered by Dave Whitman and supervised by Eddie Kramer, recorded at Electric Lady Studios and completed on March 13, 1973. If I remember correctly, the uh, story is that the studio actually owed uh, Gene and Paul uh, back royalties, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, they used that to record this demo. So let's take a look at a KISS classic cold gin.
1973 was where it all started, but, you know, sometimes they play with the numbers a little bit, and we'll talk more about that later. But um, next we got 1978. And what better way to commemorate 1978 than with a classic unto itself, or I guess the reworking of a classic. You all know what it is. Sing along, people. Rip and destroy. favorite movies of all time and I gotta say as we're celebrating nearly five years of podcast having Lisa Jane Persky on the show remains one of my favorite interviews we ever did absolutely uh, I wasn't a part of that interview but I remember listening to it and just beaming at how, how great she was she was such a great interview yeah we gotta have her on again Lisa if you're listening and of course you are you probably don't miss a single episode of podcast seeing as how you're not really a kiss fan and everything but you know if you're <laughs> but actually you know I'm really glad we had her on because um, you know, since then, you know, it's, she's been a little more involved in the KISS, uh, you know, the KISS Army and the KISS community. She went to the New York, New Jersey KISS Expo this past year, and she was a, it was a big hit having her there. And so I'm glad that, I'm glad that she was a part of this show, and I'm glad that she's been a part of um, KISStory. Absolutely, rightfully so. So skipping ahead from 1978, five years later, a lot changed. I mean, what an amazing, uh, you know, amount of change in a small amount of time. It, it's amazing, really. From 78 to 83, we've experienced something very similar to what we have had in the last five years. And that's a complete change in direction uh, for KISS and their music and their image. Right. And all the looks they went through. I mean, you, you know, you went from like the kind of quote-unquote classic KISS look, and then they, you know, they went through the whole like uh, disco pop thing of the unmasked era, and then yet you, you lost Ace, you lost Peter, but we got Eric car we got vinnie vincent and then of course the makeup got dropped and here's something from the lick it up tour and this is something you don't hear all the time usually when we listen to young and wasted we hear it with eric Carr singing and his great vocals and his awesome drumming but this is actually a great recording from the lick it up tour when gene sang young and wasted
love that song. Oh, it's a great song. It's definitely one of my favorites on the record. Yes. Um, let's see, what do we have next? So, skipping ahead five years, another big change. You know, you go through two more guitarists, right? And now the 80s lineup starts to solidify, right? Yeah, it's very, it very much goes from, it, it, you know, it, from 78 to 83, you had Kiss going from arguably their prime to going through some of their hardest times and then coming back up with no makeup. Here you have Kiss kind of with their edge in 83 back, you know, with Creatures of the Night and then Lick It Up still being a very edgy record and then going to 88 and that's around the Crazy Nights era. Kiss went from kind of being hard and edgy like they were to almost, you know, kind of pop rock, more hair metal, so to speak. It was a big change in direction. And and a lineup that really I think most people would be cons uh, would consider to be like the essential or quintessential 80s kiss lineup right you know like absolutely bruce kulik eric carr yeah that when people think of non-makeup kiss um you know a lot of people think different things but i think uh, most people can agree that the non-makeup kiss lineup the classic non-makeup kiss lineup is definitely carr and kulik and here's a great recording from that lineup this is uh reason to live probably kiss at their most uh, i don't know like pop-oriented. Pop contemporary. Yeah, with the keyboards and everything. But what was cool is that, you know, when they played this song, the keyboards were on stage. Bruce was playing. I mean, just what a talented guy. Awesome guitarist. Awesome musician all around. And great guy we've had on the show. We're going to have him on again soon, I hope. And um, this is Reason to Live from Winnipeg, 1988. Give this a listen. <laughs>
So if you skip ahead another five years, from oh, hey, Ken's on. How do I get him on as well? Let's see. Oh, wait a minute. Here we go. It's calling, calling. Calling Dr. Dr. Ken. Calling Dr. Ken. Calling Dr. Ken. You know he's full of sin. Dr. Ken. I love Ace. Dr. Love. <laughs> Dr. Love. Well, hello. 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 So how long have you guys been at this? Not long. We, we, I'll tell you what we're doing. We're going... I thought it was five years. Ha ha ha. Did you... Hello, everybody. What's up, Ken? Nothing too much. Glad to be podcasting tonight. I hear you. So we got... We're going in five-year increments, and now at this point, this is where, I guess for me as a, as a KISS fan, I started seeing them live. My first KISS concert was 92 on the Revenge Tour, and James, we were talking about kind of quintessential non-makeup lineup for me i'd have to say i understand that the the, the car Kulik lineup is where it's at but this to me was about as solid as they get you know you had uh bruce Kulik, you had eric singer and gene and paul sounded fantastic and so this is a performance from 1993 what are we going to hear um making love from the dick clark rock and new year's eve Things that we wanna do, but well, come on, baby. 
Ken, do you remember watching this when it aired? Yes, actually, I do. It was it was a pretty cool performance. Isn't this going to be on uh, Kissology Four? Well, let's talk about that. Or, so or, or, or rumored to be? Yeah, we've seen that, these rumored what lists. Heard. Yeah. What do you guys think about this? Like, what what do you want to see on Kissology Volume Four? More full shows. I would just say more Kiss, and I'll probably be uh, safe in that arriving. I, I'm pumped to see, honestly, actually Detroit uh, 09 that they're putting on there. I just uh, The rumored list has um, modern-day Delilah cut from the set list, which I do not understand. Um, really? Yeah, the, the rumored um, set list has modern-day Delilah. I think modern-day Delilah was a encore, and it's, very it's cut from the set list. You know, it's hmm. later. They put it later in the show. I guess they have the um, the Rock and Ring. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which is a great show. Absolutely, I, I really wish that, that that was getting a full release. But you know, I want more of everything. So same I here. I don't. I don't know if I get the whole like partial show thing, but I'm assuming it's because you know they don't they don't want like eight versions of Rock and Roll All Night on the same release or. Well, I mean, if you right. do partial shows, you can fit more different things on the <clears> disc. And I think a lot of times it has to do with the royalties and, and whatnot. You know, because you, a lot right. of the songs cut, 2000 Man's cut a whole lot, uh, King of the Nighttime World, Do You Love Me, a lot of songs, Beth, that have uh, co writers or are just covers in general. Is there well, any? Don't you think that uh, it also allows them to go back later and release the full Megillah? Uh, yeah, I think that has a lot to do with. I know the most disappointed I, I ever was um, with the Kissology not being a full show was um, Kissology Volume Two, Detroit 1990, because that that particular show had been floating around in circles, but it was awful, awful, terrible quality. And I wanted a gr- a great quality version of Rise to It Live, and that's the one song they cut. There's a lot of I TV clips I'd love to see, it, but I'm sure that that's all tied up with like. I don't know. Network ownership of of stuff, right? All right. Well, uh, let me ask you a question. If you could pick like the top three TV appearances, and we're talking about songs or performances, what would you like to see on there? Um, I would say Detroit Rock City from Arsenio, ninety three or ninety four. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I great performance. That. Oh, that's a great performance. I think for historical reasons or historical reasons, as it goes, uh, the first appearance with Tommy in the paint with uh, Dick Clark's uh, celebration or whatever. Absolutely, it was a good performance too. I mean, I think it was mostly lip sync, but it was a good. Yeah, yeah. Um, That uh, show they did in Jamaica. I want that show. Mm -hmm. I want to know what happened. And I really want, um, you know, the show they did as a trio without Paul. Yes, that would be fantastic. Um, I really liked, I was trying to think, I had one. Um, I thought the stuff they did, um, I would like a mint quality of the performance they did with Garth Brooks on the Jay Leno show. Oh, yeah, that would be killer. That was really cool. That was really good. <coughs> and, and the you, Conan stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When they were was it Jen Blossoms? Or just by themselves when they were doing like uh, kind of an unplugged thing. Oh yeah, the uh, coming home in Domino. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I would also like. You know, obviously, any of the like, you know, the Pro Shot creatures would be great. You know, um, Pro Shot, look it up. But, but the uh, every show that they ever did, <laughs> ever get that to me. Every making of every album. That's the stuff I want to see. 
All right, now we go five years ahead, 90, 1998. This is, James, when you became a fan, is that right? Uh, yes, and 1998 Kiss is, you know, we have all the controversy, who played on what, and who was absent, who blah, 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 I don't care. 1998 for me is a very special year in history. Um, that's when I became a fan, you know, and the, my first album, Psycho Circus, remains my favorite to this day, and... Um, a great, great time to be a kid getting into Kiss. You know what I love about that record? What do you love about that record? They, um, you know, they they took some left turns in the songwriting, but it wasn't too far left. It they didn't they didn't go off you know completely into like Elder territory. They didn't go off into Carnival of Souls territory. They didn't go you know straight into like disco or glam or whatever. They they kept it sort of you know like it sounded like it could be Kiss whatever, but they. I don't know. Some of the songwriting was kind of fearless, and I like that. Absolutely, it was it was great. You know, especially uh, I love Paul's material on the album, but I really have a soft spot for Gene's songs. Yeah. Um, we are one, and Journey of a Thousand Years in particular, I think, are two of the most beautiful songs to this day. We are one. You know, it's. I think it's an underappreciated classic. Hey, this is Melissa, the manager of the Kiss Coffee House. John Whiteside, I've been a Kiss fan since 1973. Hi, my name is Ron from Long Island, New York. I'm Missy, I've been a fan since 1977. I'm Kyle, I've been a fan for a year. I'm Eric Jett, Kiss fan, 33 years. You're listening to Podkiss. Podkiss. You're listening to Podkiss. You're listening to Podkiss. I'm listening to Podkiss. This is Mr. Speed, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, my name is Bill Starkey, the founder of the Kiss Army. And you're listening to Podcast. Ken is a longtime fan. When Psycho Circus came out, what was your take on it? Um, I loved it. You know, it, uh, at the time, I probably liked it a little bit more than I do now. Uh, it, it's not that the album changed or anything. It's just that. Uh, I was caught up in the excitement of it all, but I, you know, I'm, there was a time when I thought, you know, uh, Crazy Nights was like better than it was. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're just so happy to get new Kiss music that you're just like, yeah. And then after a while, you go, okay, so maybe this one's not as good as this, or you know, right? Time, time puts things into perspective, and uh, there's a lot of it that I really like. Uh, I love We Are One. It's it's a great track. And that was really neat how you did that and put that together. But uh, I, I'll i tell you, my, my first uh, hearing of, of anything from the album is we were listening to a radio station called 93.3 The Wolf out of Youngstown, Ohio. And we were driving along, and uh, my girlfriend at the time was driving, and uh, they said, and here's the new Kiss track, and I made her pull off the road, and we listened to the whole damn thing, and she'd never done that before. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and probably has never done it since. Uh, but, uh, I called something up a... special about when Kiss comes on the radio anyway. Yes. Right. To, to this day, uh, you know, I never listen to rock and roll all night at this point, but no matter what I'm doing, if I'm listening to the radio and I hear rock and roll all night, I turn it up. And drive off the road. It's just there's something special about hearing Kiss on the radio and knowing other people are hearing them at that exact moment. Well, it's yeah. it's that, and it's um, I don't know. It's a sense of like, 
get, get corny here, I guess, but it, it's a little bit like hearing the national anthem. No, I know it's corny. I mean, you know, but 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 when it's on the radio like that, and when it's your band, like this is our band, you know, it's it, there's something to be said for it. I totally get you on that, actually. I remember I calling a radio station in New Jersey, um, and I don't remember. It was the Rat, the Rat. That's <coughs> what it was, the Rat, and they played Psycho Circus. You know. It leaked. They leaked it essentially. It was way before anyone had their hands on the whole uh, album. Um, but they played that song, and I remember missing it when it was aired. I, I read about it online. You know, someone said like, you know, the Rat, New Jersey played the blah blah blah, and I remember calling the station uh, with my brother and having them play it over the phone for us off the air. And wow. that was one of the most exciting moments of being a Kiss fan was hearing. You know, through the the crummy speakers on a you know rotary phone in my grandmother's house with my brother on the extension, hearing uh, the new Kiss song. That's awesome. It was great. Actually, it was a great year Amazing. also for him to be a Kiss fan too, because he's about I think he's same age as you are, James. And I brought him to his first Kiss concert. He was eleven, and it was Meadowlands, New Jersey, nineteen ninety eight. And here is the opening track. Still to this day, I think one of the gr the greatest Kiss openers, Psycho Circus, from November 1998.
I think my favorite part of that album is actually how the um, the symphony part in um, Journey of a Thousand Years is... How it does a callback to it. Yeah, it's basically a reprise of the solo in Psycho Circus. All right, now I'm going to rain on your parade and be a little bitch about this. Have you guys right. ever done that that uh, track-by-track comparison with the uh, the Ben Folds 5 song? So this record came out in, in, in 97, right? And this is Ben Folds 5... And the record is called Whatever and Ever, Amen. And they're a trio. That's the I have this album. Oddly named Ben Folds 5, three-piece. Yeah, you have this record? Yep. You know, Ferk, do you know this band? Do you know this record? I do not. What's the name of the song? Okay, well, the, so- the song we're talking about is called Selfless, Cold, and Composed. But you probably know the song Brick by this band. She's yeah. a brick and a drowning Drowning No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um... And you know you probably know "Song for the Dumped," which is the one that goes, uh, "Give me my money back, you bitch." Mm-hmm. No, okay. Um, I think I've sang that song a couple times. Okay, right. So, okay, "Selfless, Cold, and Composed" is the name of the song, right? And and in fact, I hadn't heard this record in its entirety, um, but my wife has this record, and it came out a year before Psycho Circus. Anyway, we're listening to it one day in the car, and this part comes on. Yeah, yeah, I can hear it. So everybody go out and buy Whatever and Ever Amen by Ben Folds 5, since we played a little At bit. At your nearest uh, pawn shop for 59 cents. That's right. Available now wherever my socks are sold. Right? It sounds like the songs, right? It sounds like Journey of a Thousand Years? No? Yeah, kind of. All right. But on the other hand, there are, if you listen to Alice Cooper albums, um, the great Bob Ezra was doing that before both of them, so... What's the there piece of music? That sound like that. Well, what's that piece of music uh, that's? I, uh, I can't get it off the top of my head right now, but great there's, expectations. There's, uh, could be, could be. Right, you know, great expectations has some piece of classical music at the beginning. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, moving right along. So five years after Psycho Circus, things changed dramatically. Right. It's like farewell tour. They retired and came back. And replaced members and members left and came back and some left never to come back right well yet yeah yet never say never right but yeah it was i mean a lot a lot happened you you, you had eric singer in the makeup then he was gone and then you had ace and he was gone right and, and then and then this weird lineup this kind of odd transitional lineup 2003 you know, with Peter and Tommy, on what I would still say to this day was one of my favorite tours, and, and everyone seems to hate this tour, and I don't get why. Um, shorter shows? I think that has a lot to do with it, shorter shows. Um, probably a lineup that's not well looked upon. Tommy really hadn't found his niche in the band yet. Right. Um, Plus, Pete, when you think about it, Pete and uh, Tommy are probably two of the most... Uh, how how do I say this diplomatically? Uh, both Pete and Tommy get a lot of negative 
reaction from some fans. Right. So that, that has to figure into it at some point, don't you think, James? I think so. I think um, I just I think all around people just weren't ex- excited for this lineup. There was a lot of good buzz around the Eric Ace lineup, and then we go from Eric and Ace to Peter and Tommy. We switch two members in a year, and people kind of are confused, you know. And and well, yeah, I think people were confused because it was like all of a sudden, you know, what happened to. Not just what happened to Ace, but what happened to to Eric. You know, why is Peter back? And for right. me, it was I thought it was really exciting, just because you know it, it was sort of like dry spell of you know two thousand one, two thousand and two, and I didn't know I was ever going to see Kiss again. And then all of a sudden, right. I, I had this great tour. I saw them five times. It was a wonderful time to be a Kiss fan, to be honest with you. And they sounded good too. I mean, I've always been a um, you know a, a guy who who thinks. Peter just nails it when he nails it, uh, and and I thought Tommy sounded awesome from day one, and so you know, for me it was it was a great lineup. Yeah, no one, no one, no one, no one plays Strutter like Peter Chris does. And in fact, we've got a really cool version of this for you guys to hear. This is um, I don't know if we've ever played this on the show before, but this is Strutter with uh, Joe Perry from Aerosmith uh, as a guest guitarist. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and where was this recorded? I'm trying to think. Oh, I think it might have been San Bernardino. I'm gonna look here. Kiss Joe Perry. No, thank oh, you. Oh, it says Strutter with Joe Perry. <laughs> Los Angeles. Okay. L L A Forum. Los 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 Angeles. <laughs> Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, Los Angeles, L A Forum, December eighteenth, two thousand three. Cool audience recording. Strutter with Joe Perry from Aerosmith. Give this a listen.
And then we skip ahead another five years to, you know, what has uh, amazingly, I guess, proven to be one of the most stable and consistent lineups in, in history, right? We were talking about how in the 80s things stabilized with Eric Carr and, and Bruce Kulick. And now, again, we have this lineup that's been around for a heck of a long time. The current lineup, I mean, a lot of people looked at it as a, a short-term replacement for whatever the final lineup was to be. But here we are, you know, some going on 10 years later and um, there they are still kicking strong putting out new music and in 2008 they were still sort of uh, towing that line of you know we're not going to make new records because people will say that's great now play Love Gun and you know I don't know guys I've been to a lot of Kiss concerts I've never once heard anybody say that uh, n not in my experience no so 2008 gave us a kind of like a new lease on life for Kiss they, they toured Australia they toured Europe is that right? They you know they really played around a lot and 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 the I guess this lineup really started to gel. It seemed like Gene and Paul were on the same page again. There was a lot of sort of playfulness, a lot of fun, um, and this was all before um, you know we had any talk of a new record. But I think that 2008 kind of solidified that in terms of them going into the studio and making new music. In fact, what I want to do is I want to play this little clip of Tommy Thayer on Podcast giving us a little bit of a hint that maybe that was going to happen and this is from 2008 so give this a listen this is kind of a specific question <laughs> sure um, back in 2002 they were talking about putting out a live four at that time with you and Eric right um, and there was Gene had said that I think it was got actually before that it was talked about I think uh, even back in 2000 actually he had mentioned that you guys were going to record some non live stuff as well before that yeah um, who mentioned that? Gene. Gene did? Well, you know, Gene. <laughs> Gene talks a lot. So that didn't really come to volition yeah, then? No, we've, you know, not, nothing uh, nothing really to, to report uh, at all. Uh, but, you know, it's still, an idea like that is not completely off the table either. I mean, we talked recently about the idea of doing that kind of stuff, maybe recording some new stuff. So, you know, they say, you know, I don't think it's, you know, you've heard Paul and, and Gene in interviews and, and it's not the priority, Correct. that's for sure, because uh, there's so many reasons for them not to do it that it's just, you know, you know, there's always good, there's always reasons to do it too, but I, you know, I personally think it would be a great thing to, to record some new songs, and it's just a matter of, you know, mm -hmm. when, when they want to do it, and, and, and it's not a priority, but I think it'll happen. It'll even happen, though that's they, good. Even though they say it won't, so, right. I mean, I know I'm kind of contradicting what somebody else says, but... Well, I was wondering that because I, I of... it'll probably happen at some point. So here's a track they didn't play too often in 2008. They were doing the whole Alive 35 thing. Um, but one of the tracks they dropped early on in the, in the show is a song from Kiss Alive, and this is Rock Bottom. Give it a listen.
So from 2008, if we skip ahead five years, we've got 2013, right? James, you and I were talking about this earlier, okay? KISS like to play with numbers sometimes. That's certainly a, a known fact. Is that fair to say? Sure. Okay. Uh, they always, I mean, when you listen to Gene talk about how many people they played in front of in Brazil in 1983, <laughs> it goes from, you know, over 100,000 to 7.4 billion people filled this place. And, and I'm sure that the numbers uh, switch around a bit when he talks about how many Polaroid pictures he has in his collection too, right? I would say mm -hmm. so. Right. So, depending on what you read or what source it is, you know, Kiss either started in 1972 or 1973. When did the album come out? The album came out in 74. It was recorded okay. at the end of 73. There's pictures of Gene and Paul and Pete in mm -hmm. makeup as Wicked <coughs> Lester from 1972. Right. Right. So the makeup was starting. They, those three guys were together. They were rehearsing some of the songs that would become sort of staples of the Kiss catalog. I don't think they were called Kiss yet, but 1972 started to sort of coalesce in that direction. Mm -hmm. And it, it, you got this book coming out next year, right, which is like a, another Gene and Paul early years, Kiss photos, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure what it's called. I think Ken Sharp might be involved with it, un unless I'm mistaken. No, I believe you're correct. Okay, so and 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 that mentions 1972 as the, as the early date. So right. Well, 1982 is the 10-year anniversary tour. So. Right. 82, 83 was that t right? Exactly. And same thing happened. You know, 10 years later, I remember you know seeing them in 92, and that was they were you know 20 years anniversary of Kiss. So so next year, we've got the new album coming out. There's going to be a tour. Are we thinking that something's going to happen for the 40th anniversary? Well, I'm sure that we'll get a uh, 40th anniversary tour. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I, I like. I don't see them ever doing like uh, this is the 38th anniversary of Destroyer or anything like that. Uh, I, I think that it's just going to be here. We are 40 years. It's a, it was like a life 35. Same kind of thing. Do you think there'll be a big final Kiss concert ever? No. I, I don't think. I think that we'll see the original lineup play together again, probably at the Hall of Fame, if and when they get in. I don't think that there'll ever be this big right off into the sunset, one last shebang kiss show. I, I wish there would be. Well, even if they had, okay, here's the one last show, we put it to bed. Gene and Paul don't know how to do anything else. Right. It's kind of like... Uh, you know, we just saw Jerry Lewis uh, step down from the, uh, the Labor Day telethon. And, I mean, the guy doesn't know how to turn it off, you know what I mean? But uh, we have a new album, and since the last podcast, we've now had, we, had, we now have a name for it, Monster. That's right. What I love do you guys that think of the title? I love the title. What do you think, James? Um... I don't like it, and that's for one reason, is that I think it spells bad news for Gene's box set. Well, that'll just be Alder Ego or something else. Um, but, uh, no, I don't mind the title at all. I like it better than Sonic Boom, so. To me, it's as goofy as Animalize or Destroyer or anything else. I like it if they know how to milk it, because sometimes you get these really weird, I don't know, there's like a disconnect between the art and the title, like... I don't know, like, Rock and Roll Over is a perfect 
match for the artwork, right? It's like round, rock and roll over. It's a good rock and roll record, straightforward. Like that works, right? But then you get yeah, something. Yeah, do you like, think that like that actually went into it? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you think like I don't know, like you know, uh, unmasked works dynasty. Like what the hell is that about? Yeah, that's kind of a flop as far as a concept. Right, right. But like even like revenge. Really with I don't like. I don't even know if I, revenge were like like asylum. I mean, I guess you have to be in an asylum to 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 say to Gene and Paul like, hey, I know, let's do this sort of. 80s pop, you know, lipstick-looking album cover. But, you know, I, I, I kind of have grown to like it, but like, how is that an Asylum cover? I just Like know. you would maybe if they were all in straight jackets or something. Right. You know, I mean, like, what is it? The, the Quiet Riot record cover could be the called... The Metal Health or whatever? Yeah, that's Asylum. Right. right. Well, then why don't we just go through all the albums and thumbs up or thumbs down which conceptually works all right the first one is a no-brainer the second one yeah i like it yeah, I like yeah it. it works dress to kill obviously to kill. great yeah yep. great alive destroyer perfect rock and roll over love gun yeah good news yep but then we get to dynasty and that's the first major hiccup unmasked yeah. works it does for you, not for me. Yeah, I don't care for the unmasked cover at all, actually. To me, it makes Kiss look small and tiny. But conceptually? Conceptually, it doesn't work for me. I don't care for the title either, actually. I, I... Okay, now, but, but, but putting aside whether or not you like it, I'm saying whether the you'd say the title works with the artwork, is what I'm no, saying. No, it doesn't. You don't, I don't think, think so? Th I don't think the artwork's a good album cover. I just, I, right. I mean, it, it would be a good insert... But if you look what at that, what you're talking about, Gary, is is the the reveal panel in the comic strip. Right. The theme of the comic that, is that is unmasked. Right. So to me, I would have rather had that panel been the cover. Okay, I, I get what you're saying. I get. What you're, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's like Kiss was guest starring in a comic about something, and they just happened to be there. It was like that. That cover might as well have been the Howard the Duck comic book that they were in. Okay, that may, I, I'll give you that. The what Elder. Elder works. It's like an old wooden door, right? Yeah, yeah flop. I, I, I like the elder. I think for what the album is, it, it, it's it's fine. But you mean know, the, to me, the me, name the elder. The, go ahead. No, go on, sir. Go on. No, I mean the name and the artwork somehow go together. You know, the photo and that title. It's yeah, it's grandiose right. and ridiculous. Right. Well, well, the door is is okay, I guess. But like, then you open up the, uh, you know, it just it just looks like somebody's dining room, Bella Lugosi's dining room, or right. something. It just doesn't really strike me as as admit evil as it could have been. Maybe more Dio, you know what I mean, man? Right. A little more Spinal Tap, a little more Dio. Right. Now that could have worked for a Dio record. Creatures, Creatures perfect. Tonight, perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, probably my favorite Kiss album cover, easily. It's Creatures of the Night. Lick, Lick it up. It up. Per perfect. After we all fell, you know, fell over and got back up, it was okay. Yeah. There's, there's nothing wrong with the Lick It Up cover. Simple to the point. And the title works with the photo because you got Gene yeah. sticking out his tongue. Perfect. Right. Excellent. Animalize. Perfect. Uh, I, it's it's okay as a cover and title, you know, working together. It's hideous and the name's stupid, but I guess it works all right. Right. I mean, like, you know, it, it's 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 not a real word, and it's not necessarily Kiss's finest, you know, cover art. 
But like when you look at it as as a whole, it, it they they work together. It works. Right. Asylum, meh. I don't understand what they're trying to do there. I don't mind it. I've gotten used to it. I kind of I kind of like it because it's of its time and it it works. And you now have a t- uh, a, a tattoo of it. Well, I mean, you know, I had that the day I on actually got that. Ass. It was amazing when it came out. I said, I can't believe that this tattoo that's on my ass is as actually the album cover. <laughs> that's amazing. That's yeah, a, yeah, it was how like, fortuitous. You know, a stroke of well, Ben exclusive. What's so weird is that Ben Folds has the same tattoo. Gary Schaller's ass, right? Ben Folds has the same tattoo. Edit that out. Edit that out. <laughs> Okay, the next one. Crazy Nights. Uh, I think that works. I like. I actually really enjoy the Crazy Nights cover. I hate the back cover, but the. Well, uh, I'll tell you a lot of. I know a lot of girls that uh, thank God for the back cover. That oh are Paul. But the the front cover, I actually really really like. It's not a bad I, cover. I just. I mean, I don't know. What, I really like the broken glass thing. I thought that was cool. Yeah, it's, it's all right. I, agree. I almost would. Let me let me ask you this: What if we would have uh, given? Asylum, the Crazy Nights cover, would that have worked? Sure, absolutely, I think. In some weird way, it would work for me, too. Again, it would have nothing to do with an asylum, but it's broken glass. You, you like, know, it, it would have worked. It would you, make, sw- you switch those you, covers and with the titles? Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it would make more conceptual sense. Right? Crazy Crazy Nights could have worked with the asylum cover. That's a, That could have worked, and, and vice versa. So now someone has to get busy and Photoshop all these cool variations. So. All right. Whoever sends it to us first gets a prize. That's a new contest. There we go. All right. There you go. Okay. Um, Next album cover. I like it. Hot and Shade. Are, are we going to skip Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits? I hope so. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, all right. So Hot in the Shade, Hot in the Shade, I think, stinks. Really? Um, I, I, the Kiss logo needed to be bigger. Conceptually, no, it was fine, but uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's dumb. Gonna, it's dumb, but it but it works. Like it's not dumb enough. The, yeah, the name and photo kind of go together, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know. To me, you, like you're going to mention revenge again. We're we're we're, we're going to talk about revenge. At least to me, that had the big cover with the big logo on it and, yes. and that made sense to me. That's all I really need. You know what I'm saying? Right, it's gotta have that logo. So if they would have had a pyramid with the KISS logo like burnished into the side of it, you know what I mean? Like just you stood the test of time. No, that's cool. Well, hier- hieroglyphics. Right. There you go. Right. Um Revenge. Eh. I like it. I love the cover conceptually. I mean, it doesn't work and it doesn't not work, in my opinion. When you, when you think about it in the context of losing Eric Carr and going through that change and then coming back with that sound and, and you know that image, I guess the title and the artwork works. But it, I don't know what we're looking at, at the side of, you know. To me, it always looked like a jet. Something like that, yeah. All right, then you we know get how they used to have the rivets and all that. Right. Is that a door handle on the cover? Yes. I never. I have never. See, that's why I think it's like a, a plane or a jet or something. It's you better. know, like they're on tour and they're, st- they're still here. They're surviving. It's better than the back cover of the uh, redone creatures. Yes. By the way, is that a dude's ass or a chick's ass? I, you know, I don't know. 
Because, like, I've had some people, like, say, oh, man, check out that chick's ass. It's really hot. And then other people go, why is there a guy's ass on the back of this picture? You know, I always was under the assumption it was Paul's ass. You know what my, you know what my response to that is? But loving me would be a priceless Carnival of Souls epic fail. I I love it, actually. I'm going to say epic fail. That would have been great on the inside of the book or underneath the CD tray. I don't know. There was something about, for me, the the almost stripped-back, metal, heavy, miserable sound on the record. Well, they certainly looked miserable. And that cover, I don't know, it's just... I don't know, especially with the, the subtitle, The Final Session. Oh, that yeah, that does work, I guess. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but it almost looks like a bootleg from Mexico or something. It does. The uh, final sessions. You know, that sounds so bootleggy. Carnival de Souls. Not um, my favorite album, but for some reason, one of my favorite ag- album covers. Say that again, Carrie. I, I don't know what Souls is in Spanish, but... Um, like, it, yeah, yeah. Carnival de Souls. Yeah, whatever. Exactly. Telemundo. Yeah, we, we need to have a Telemundo announcer. Carnival de los Souls. I love that record. And, it, it you know, what is cool about that cover is it does sound like those guys in the studio rocking out. And I could see that cover when I listened to the music. What do you think of the proposed cover the, with the guy's head on fire? I didn't like it. No? It, it doesn't make that much sense to me, but at least it would say, hey, you know, we actually spent five minutes coming up with something as opposed to... <sighs> Take this picture. It's our final session. Right. <laughs> I could go with that cover if they had called the record, like, In My Head. Right. That would have worked. Or Hate. That's, that would be good for the zipper thing. Or Right, 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 right. exactly. And then Psycho Circus, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, and vote that as the single worst Kiss album cover of all time. Why? I, I, I don't know. Where do I start? Um, it's this awful ugly clown image um and then there's these four pictures of the of the band um and the lenticular thing is is an eyesore and an annoyance you don't get but it's a good idea but it doesn't work for me it feels almost like it's just as cliche as the 80s covers are It, it looks like kiss trying to have that with the makeup that edgy late 90s you know um extreme look yeah. Okay, l- let me ask you a question. What if we would have taken the Psycho Circus cover, you know, the the logo with the, the, the circus tank cover, and put it for Carnival Souls? Better. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, something like that, yeah. I mean, you know, and and um, the Japanese release that has sort of the, the, the tent, or the cur- curtains, rather. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, curtains, yeah. And then they open up to that image. Much, right. Much better. I just think that the Psycho Circus album should have just had Kiss on the cover. Right. You know, the band. Yeah. Show us show us the band. Yeah, that would have worked. They could have Yeah, I, I keep saying this and I don't know, they don't listen. I don't know why, you know. Uh but 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 they but they but they should put the Kiss Army logo as the album cover. Right. That would be great. Call the album Army. Or Kiss Army. You know, and tie it into I the just, whole wounded warriors thing if you want. Oh, donate a portion of the proceeds to wounded warriors. Yeah. Um, and then I guess 
Sonic Boom. It's that's a that's something that's grown on me over time. I, like I don't I don't like it at all, actually. How I mean it's a good it's good. It's just it feels too much like they're just trying to recapture the seventies. That being said, it's it's it works. I mean it works for the album. It's just right. I'm not a fan of it personally. I can't help but think of October and Halloween every time I see it. It's yep. the color scheme. Yeah, I get that. And that's kind of a special time, you know, to be a KISS fan. A lot of their records came out around that time of year and um, I, I'm just, you know I'm so pumped about uh, Sonic Boom as an album, and, and I have a fondness for that cover. I don't think it's necessarily the best Kiss cover, but I'm also not really objective about it yet. All right. All right. So, ja- well, let's wrap it up like this. So, James, you know, 2013. Who knows what that's going to be? But what do you guys say? Should we be here? Oh yeah. As as long as there's a Kiss Army, there'll be a podcast. Nice. Somewhere out there in the distance there'll be a podcast well said and that is our show thanks again for listening be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com you can also find us on facebook and on itunes if you'd like to contact the podcast please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com big thanks to julian and everyone at kissfaq.com they've got great information there and a terrific message board too thanks also to keith larue and everyone else at kiss online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land and as always a big thanks to paul stanley gene simmons ace fraley peter chris Vinny vincent bruce kulik eric singer tommy fair and the memory of the late great eric carr and the late great mark st john you are kiss and we are your army podcast is created by the kiss army for the kiss army and it is available for free as an internet download if you like what you hear on our show go buy it and support the people who made it podcast is not affiliated with kiss or any of its members past or present on behalf of myself ken and the whole rest of the podcast crew thank you for listening to podcast the kiss fanzine for your ears Do you do you guys ever laugh when you hear that line but loving me would be your first mistake <laughs>